I had visited a friend in hospital once before that had babies in the NICU, but never, ever thought that I'd be there one day myself. I didn't take much notice of all the instruments and alarms during my first ever time in a NICU, as I wasn't personally invested in the process because it wasn't my baby. It wasn't until I found myself in the NICU with my own daughter that I wish I knew more about it all, or had remembered some elements from my first encounter in the NICU. G'day and welcome to the Dads of the NICU podcast. My name is Matt Bilkowski and I'm a proud father of a premature baby born at 25 weeks at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. Our daughter was 766 grams or 1 pound 11 ounces at birth. Our superstar girl spent 84 days in the NICU and 14 days in special care before being discharged home on oxygen. I started this podcast as I wanted to share my experiences with other dads, the aim of which is to allow them to hear what other dads went through and to find a connection to our stories so that they know that they're not alone and what they're feeling and going through is normal. I hope it helps you on your journey. Hi guys. Well, today I wanted to share some insights into what I wish I knew the first time I started out in the NICU with my daughter. Some of what we'll chat about today would have been really helpful for me prior to going into the NICU but ultimately there was no way of me finding out everything as everything just happened so quickly for us. So I wanted to give you my top 10 things that I wish I knew at the start of my NICU journey. They're in no particular order. They're just 10 things that came to mind when I reflect on my time inside the NICU. Or they were some of the most common things I spoke about with other dads or other people when I was giving them updates on our little girl. Okay, so let's kick things off with how scared and sad I became. I thought that having a baby was going to be a magical experience like what you see in the movies. I've previously discussed in other episodes what our planned birth should have looked like, but what actually happened was far from our ideal. The outcome of it all was that I was so scared and sad for so long. Scared that things would go bad or take a turn for the worst. Sad that we didn't get our planned birth, and sad that I felt scared. If I knew how scared and sad I'd be feeling before going in there, there probably wasn't much I could actually have done prior to to prepare myself other than to know to expect the feelings and not get too worried when I was in fact feeling scared and sad. One thing that I did know about myself going into this was I actually am a really emotional person. You should have seen me at my wedding. I cried all day long. I'm an absolute sook at the best of times. So feeling sad and scared is quite normal. So don't be too worried when it happens. Next on the list, number two, is going home alone or going home without your baby for so long. I know that I've discussed this in the previous episode at length, but it's still featured on this list that I never knew that these feelings would affect me so much during our 98-day tour of the NICU. Some days I just felt so bloody guilty walking away from our daughter's isolate. Most days we'd spend three to four hours there, sometimes twice daily as well, but we never missed a day, not one. The best part about every day was going in to see her and seeing her for the first time that day and seeing if there'd been any changes overnight. And the worst part of every day was walking away from her and leaving her there while we head back to our somewhat normalised life on the outside. Number three is probably a fairly obvious one upon reflection, but the realisation of knowing that there is absolutely nothing that you can do to control what's going on can really hurt sometimes. I personally love being in control and knowing everything that's happening. I'm not a massive fan of change at the best of times, and I love to work on a plan and know what's going on. Life in the NICU is far from controllable for parents. 
you just have to let it happen on its own and let everything run its own course as all that you can do is what the role of the dad in the NICU is. And I'll touch on this in a separate episode coming up soon. Rightio, so number four. One of the big ones for me actually was that I wish that I knew that you needed to keep up your normal routines as much as possible. For me, this should have meant that I continued going to the gym, going for runs in the morning, playing golf with some mates or spending quality and fun time with my wife. I stopped it all due to a number of factors, primarily because I felt guilty for doing these things while my daughter was fighting for her life in the first week or the first couple of weeks. And the fact that I felt like I'm no longer allowed to have fun, I must feel sad, I must be depressed, this is a bad situation to be in, I can't go out and have fun. Completely stopping my fitness activities made me feel like absolute crap within the first two weeks and it just got worse and worse from there. I drank so much and ate some pretty terrible fast food out of pure convenience and it made me feel horrendous. I couldn't sleep, I lost all my motivation, and I put a lot of weight on in those first couple of months. The dad body is a real thing. The balance of all of this is the partnership that you have with your wife or your partner. Make sure that you look after each other's mental and physical states. Let them go to the gym or go for a run when you go to the hospital, and then swap out in the afternoons. You have to balance it out as a partnership. There is no point in sitting there cribside for five hours and feeling terrible because going for a run or doing something you enjoy, you know that it's going to make you feel a hundred times better mentally and physically, which in the long run is so bloody important for everyone. Number five, cherishing the small wins and small victories will help you along the way. There are so many little milestones that your baby will reach. Every single one of them should be celebrated. One thing that I made sure that we did in the first week was actually celebrate the birth of our daughter. We didn't do this for six days because we didn't know if we should be or not. We still felt really confused and sad, but it got to the point where I had the realization that we needed to lift ourselves up and celebrate that we just had a baby. This is a momentous occasion in our lives and we needed to acknowledge it. Fortunately, both sets of our parents had come up to visit in the first week, so we all went out for dinner. I've been saving some pretty expensive wine for a couple of years now, I think over 10 years, for a special occasion, and what better way than to crack it on this night? It actually lifted our spirits and felt a little bit normal that we were able to appreciate the miracle that had just occurred and that our little girl was still alive and she was still fighting. You will have your own special moments on your journey and you should find a way to celebrate them. Even if you think they're small and insignificant, they could end up being huge milestones in your baby's journey, so cherish them all. Number six, I wish I knew how strong and resilient little babies were. I always felt that I was waiting for the phone to ring with bad news, or that every time the alarms went off that she was crashing or going backwards. Your journey will never be perfect, and the development of your little one will never be a perfect progression. Setbacks and plateaus are normal, and they're expected along the way. Your doctors and nurses will tell you this. You need to embrace them and not get caught up in the numbers. At the end of the day, as long as they're still in the NICU, that's the best place for them, and the care that they're getting is exactly what they need. Your baby will go through a lot of testing and poking and prodding, but they won't remember any of it. And when they stop crying, they forget pretty quickly why they were crying in the first place. I guarantee that it is always hard to watch them cry, squirm or have an apnea, or if their heartbeat plummets or skyrockets, none of that is easy to deal with for you. But it's part of the process, as they are tiny, fragile little things. But remember, they will bounce back. Number seven, I assume that every nurse would do things in the same way and they do things very consistently. But I want to make sure this is very clear that in no way this is a criticism of the staff in the NICU. 
That's what they do for our babies is absolutely astonishing. And the lengths that they go to and the dedication that they have for the survival of your baby is absolutely unquestionable. They are so driven to achieve the best outcomes for your child and they sit next to you on the emotional roller coaster throughout your NICU adventures. The parents are the only real constants through this process. What I mean by this is that you're the only one that will see your baby every single day, day in, day out. And you have the best position to pick up on some little things that other nurses and doctors might not see. So don't be afraid to speak up and mention something that doesn't look quite right or doesn't seem right or is different to the day before. The nurse you have on any given day might never have cared for your baby before or it could be the first time in the week that they've seen your child again. So you just need to make sure you update them on what you know has been happening as well. Whilst they do conduct very thorough handovers, sometimes your keen eye can identify trends or things that your baby has done or doesn't like that will aid in the care and treatment of your baby. Going back to the initial point of this item, there were so many occasions where you'd be advised to do something in one way and then the next shift would come on and they'd have a different opinion or a different way of doing things. I put this down to the different levels of training and experience that some nurses have and the amount of time that they've spent in the NICU against other nurses. Ultimately, you just have to go with the flow and don't get too flustered in things or the processes if everything changes. Everyone is different. One thing that you do need to make sure of is go back and visit if you can. Show off your little prize to the nurses after a few months. They're generally interested and keen to see the progression. Taking your little one back to see the people that kept them alive for so long is a massive reward for all of the NICU staff, allowing them to basically see the fruits of their labour, so to speak. This next one's a pretty big thing for me, I think. Number eight is don't compare apples with watermelons. You can't compare them, so don't even try. Comparing babies is really tough and it can actually lead you down the wrong path. You need to know that every single baby is different and each journey is different. You never know what's happened to the mum or the baby to lead them to being in the NICU next to you, so don't even worry about trying to compare them. Certainly chat to the parents and ask questions if they're happy to help and happy to talk about it, but don't sit there and think, oh, why is this happening to us or why have they come so far ahead of us? You'll find yourself comparing birth weights, current weights, gestations, CPAP, high flow, low flow oxygen levels, body lengths, head circumferences, how many days have been in the NICU, the list goes on. Babies could be absolutely flying one minute and then a complication comes out of nowhere and everything comes to a complete stop. Whilst others will start out really critical and then surpass all expectations and leave before you do. I saw some babies arriving there at 23 weeks gestation and then some babies that came in at 42 babies that were 500 grams, babies that were five kilos. There's so many factors at play. So don't ever think that you're going backwards just because someone else is going forwards. Number nine, I only learnt this one day after finally getting our little girl home, but your journey doesn't end when you're finally discharged from the NICU. Our little girl went home on low flow oxygen and she'll be on that for at least three months. So everywhere she goes, an oxygen bottle is never far behind her. For some strange reason, I thought that having a baby in the NICU meant that we're now fully trained babies. They're nappy trained, they're used to nappies, you know, they're used to feeds, they're used to noise, they're used to light, they're used to being handled. While this is true to a very small degree, you still need to remember that they are teeny tiny little babies and need a lot more care and attention. Whilst we now have to use a corrected age for everything, and remember that in the first week we took her home, while she was three and a half months old, technically she was only four days old corrected, so I had to curb my expectations. And finally, number 10, there's actually a lot of irony in me saying this right now, but 
But funnily enough, no amount of reading, research, or listening to podcasts will actually fully prepare you for your NICU journey. That doesn't mean stop listening to this by any stretch of the imagination. But what it means is that it's your journey. No one can tell you how you navigate it, as only you are in your situation. Whilst I had my journey, and countless dads will have had theirs before both of us, many more will follow. Only you know what you're going through. Every single baby is different and every father's journey is going to be different. Certainly take on board and advice and help and guidance along the way, but you need to mould it to fit your shape. It needs to fit your circumstances and what you're dealing with emotionally and mentally. So maybe apart from that last item, I hope you can take a lot away from this episode and it helps you on your journey. You may have already encountered some of these items that we've discussed and embraced them, or you might have overlooked them. Maybe take some time now to think about the experiences against your observations and see if there's any similarities. Could you have done anything differently for yourself? Were there any more things that you encountered along the way that were even more significant that are on your list? I'd love to hear from you. Well, that's it for today, guys, and I hope you got something out of that episode. As always, please seek professional advice and help if you feel that you need it. I'm certainly not the answer. I'm just a means of helping out a little bit on your journey. If you like these episodes, please subscribe to Dads of the NICU to get all of the new episodes as soon as they're launched. And if you're keen for more content or looking for more resources, please follow our Instagram and Facebook accounts, both called Dads of the NICU. And if you have any questions or you'd like to share your insights or stories, please feel free to contact us via email on dadsofthenicu at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and don't forget to wash your hands.